Welcome back, one and all, to the latest episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake. Of course, our Sinister Six. If you want to know who I am, I'm down at the levee with a giant pan throwing water on a drowning man. It's Jonathan Kwiatkowski, the vamp of Anime Was Not a Mistake. Uh, and I'm Dan Ryan, uh, using a frying pan as a drawing pan. Oh. Uh, and training rock types. <laughs> the other host. <laughs> wow, we did that well. I didn't know our uh, intro would be so superfluous. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, we're here with Sinister Six, uh... Where we pick good-bad movies, bad-good movies, and subject one another to pain, because pain is pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Um, but with that, uh, very light week for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentally not well this week, until now. Until seeing your shining face across the table with I, me. I try. <laughs> but um, do we have any life, anime, video games, adjacent uh, news to share? I came prepared. I got mm. a few things to discuss. Good, because um, I have absolutely nothing uh, a few few biggins, and then a uh, question for you. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, so I can put you on the record. Uh. Sort of. Um, uh, but main thing last week, I was like, okay, we're, we're gonna, we're, we're starting our movie month. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere out there, there might be a critic who's like, they don't even watch anime. So I went and... <laughs> that critics me. And uh, <laughs> so in, in order to change that, I went and, as per your recommendation... Watched a lot of Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, not that I ever had any issue with it previously. It was just one of those things that fell off my like attention span for it's a bit. It's given Demon Slayer a run for its money in the box office. It, yeah, no, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are people are very they're going crazy over that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, but yeah, fantastic. Like it's it's just got such great humor to it. Yeah. It, it like I. If anything sets it aside, you know, besides, like, how the battle scenes are animated and how the characters play off of one another, it's it's just that it's got, like, this humor that doesn't conflict with the rest of the show, but it's, it's, it's like, top-notch. Mm. Like, all the stupid little, like, interjections where, like, there's one where the four, like, they, they do, like, a, a comedic... Uh, pre-credits thing Mm -hmm. where the the woods demon is like uh, playing a schoolgirl, and then like the bully volcano dude burns her school garden down Mm -hmm. but then she's like oh the 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 these plants needed uh, a layer like a burn layer to help them grow better and then so so, like actually doing me a favor and i'm like that's fucking hysterical like Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't you know like i i haven't been 
you know, it's it's perfectly I just done. like it's good action, and as I said last summer, it gives the female characters a lot more badassery than they normally are accustomed to. Yes, in anime, which is you know something that I look out for. Yeah, but it, we watch anime. We do. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and I, I, so mostly that I, I've been focusing on. I've been also trying to obviously. Uh, I've been going with Spy Family still. Yes, phenomenal series and Shenmue the animation, mm. uh, also good. Um, um, other than that, I've just been researching some Sinister Six picks mm-hmm. um, that I think might might put in the pot. I watched a few that I thought I was going to put in there, but I said, oh. This is actually a perfect hangover movie. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what comes down that line for me. But other than yeah. that, I mean, it's been a light news week for me. Whatever I'm bringing to the table next week is going to require some reflection, as mm-hmm. I've said to you off, Mike. I yes. uh, there's, there's some looming threats that I, you know, but I, I want these to be as entertaining as possible. And uh, it's it's difficult to find the perfect bad movie to do that. Mm. It's not easy. Yeah. We have choices, as is the Sinister Six, but yes. we it's difficult to find that that one you know needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. That's well, like some have surprised us, Dan. Yeah, a lot yeah. of your picks I feel best mine in the end of things. So <laughs> purely by random chance. Yeah. that's you know. So we'll try uh, and fix that today. Um. <laughs> But, yeah, the only other thing that, uh, or the big thing, mm-hmm. um, that I want you on record as, on, Oh, boy. Uh, now, you know that I do enjoy musicals in my own way. Oh, my God, a musical question, finally, um, it's here! Yes! Uh, <laughs> I've waited my life! <laughs> but I, I'm not familiar with a lot of the ins and the outs. Oh, I don't God. follow the drama, I don't follow... you say one specific musical, I'm gonna punch you in the face over this table. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Oh, boy. I, I want to know why everyone's upset about Funny Girl. Oh, gosh! I'm going to see it again this week. I saw it uh-huh. once, I'm seeing it three times. Everyone's upset with Funny Girl. Alright, mm-hmm. here's the take... You've been on the TikTok. Mm-hmm. You've seen me. Yeah. You know that. Funny Girl, huge musical. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, 1964, I believe, is when it opened on Broadway and hasn't been revived on Broadway since. Mm-hmm. It was a star vehicle for Barbara Streisand, who yes. could do no wrong. She would play the part of Fanny Bryce. It was a part she was destined to play, and most of the writers in that being. Um, Oh my gosh, I can't remember. Um, Jules Stein and whoever wrote that role specifically for her. Mm-hmm. Had a very turbulent time out of town and then it moved to town and became a Broadway sensation. Can never be done again. It gets revived this year. Mm-hmm. Big deal in the theater community. Everyone takes off. Initially, and I mean, I can't say this because I've never sang in a Broadway show, <laughs> but Beanie Feldstein is given the role. Mm-hmm. We're fine with that. Larger representation on Broadway. She's a cute, charming character. She's good on TV. We come to open the show, and despite her best efforts, she's training very well. It's not the worst I've ever heard. Personally, being there in the room during the first week of previews, I went, and then I'm going this week with Gabe, so I'll report back mm-hmm. with you again on Saturday. Um, it just feels kind of like a high school production, mm. which is to much of the chagrin of the theater community. Mm-hmm. And then recently, her understudy, Julie Benko, went on, Belko, sorry, went on for this week because... Uh, Beanie had other things to do this week, and like it was, it was in the like calendar, mm-hmm. and she's getting rave reviews for this. It's just people, I think, are coming to realize there's half of the theater that like wants to see people fail. Like, oh, I could do this better if I was given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there are like thousands of other girls out there that would do this role better. In quotes, it's just that Beanie's friends and family, including the. Platts have uh, produced this show, mm-hmm. so 
a lot of it's up in the air whether she really actually auditioned for it and got it through merit instead of who she knew. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I could say. Like, I'm not going to take either camp because I know it takes a lot of stamina and power uh, to get through eight shows a week, mm-hmm. especially with the burden of you'll never do it good enough as Barbara did it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah so I, uh, I'll, I'll play like the middle ground yeah. right now. I don't. I could see the merits to both ends of it. Would I have loved if like Shoshana Bean, who's down the street uh, in a new show, would have gotten the role because she's shown that she can sing the score way better than anyone else? That's just me. Dan. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. No, because I kept seeing it on TikTok, and it was like all the people that I saw yeah, on who TikTok. Who could I ask about this? <laughs> talking about it, were like yeah. you know, like the spirits of the theater were gonna prevent them. Like, they go, I can't, I can't, well, I can't say what's they're wrong. They're saying and, that and because it, if you're in the Broadway community currently in a show, Dan, it looks very in bad taste if you say something bad about your fellow actors. Okay, so presumably those are people who are in yes. some capacity. Okay, yes, that would make sense. Yeah. Like, right. If you ever flub on this podcast, I would never call you out to your face, but I'd certainly well, yeah, stir uh, up the shit under a pseudonym online. Okay, that makes yeah. I was just interested because I saw like there was a whole thing and then like Leah Michelle, the racist who can't read, and then well, she can't read, so, <laughs> so it's fine. It was yeah. like, and, and then there was... Uh, if only yeah. Leah Michelle could read these reviews. Yeah, yeah. and the reviews were like... Oh, it was... Because, you know, the the New York theater critic scene is, like, me at my worst. Mm-hmm. So they were... There's a lot of things about, like... Some things were taken wrong about, like, weight issues with how Beanie is a larger person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that right. Forgive me. But, you know, it, it skews to that way, too. I don't know how to conversate on these topics, mm-hmm. so... Forgive me, you won't get that on air. I'm I'm neutral. I'm Sweden, Switzerland, whatever the neutral country is at this. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, fig- I mean, I, I'm I seeing it that three the... times. <laughs> yeah, I figured that was, uh, you know, I, I I just, I was just curious because it seemed like there yeah. was like an unspoken uh, agreement not to talk. Thing, we don't talk yeah. about Beanie. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. Um... It, it's a funny girl's a big deal in mm-hmm. the musical theater community. That's like one of the first legit movie musicals that I saw. And... People say, like, oh, you've seen the movie version of Funny Girl. No, I had bootlegs of Funny Girl back in the day. So I know the stage version as well. And it's not its not just Beanie about this. I feel like the production's a little bit drab. If they're bringing about Funny Girl, bring it back mm-hmm. to the 10s instead of the 8s. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. I, I thought that, um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember him? Sue Sylvester, Jay. Jane Lynch, Jane Lynch yeah. was a, a standout, and of course, Ramin Kalu as uh, Nikki Onstein's a standout. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you go, you experience things. I think we judge too harshly, though, because, you know, it's been 64 years plus That's since true. it's been, like, on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, other than that, I didn't really have any, I, I mean... I... <laughs> Uh, generally, everything else that we've enjoyed is uh, everything everywhere all at once had a zero percent drop mm. from I into saw, this week. I shared, yeah. So it's got good legs. It's, I'm it's happy for that. I'm ecstatic go. about that. Maybe Michelle Yeoh will be an Oscar contender, and my life can get back on track again. Uh, I don't know when the Emmys are. Uh, feel I maybe but that. Did you see that if I shared of Zendaya eating up? Miss yeah, no, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, I... she ate her up like a corn snack, honey. Yeah, <laughs> just uh... by turning around. I did really like the dropout. So I, I know, plug and a lot of people show. did. It's Amanda's probably a shoo-in to win, even though you know my heart goes for Euphoria, of course, which I still think you should watch. It's two seasons, but you've got to be emotionally ready to do so and kick back another. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, yep. um, but 
I, I don't think that they're... I mean, I've been trucking along in Elden Ring. Yeah, uh, been, I, uh, I haven't touched a Vicha game. I haven't done much, so pardon mea culpa if our news segment's a little short this week. You know, that's why I'm trying to think of, uh, like, anything I've forgotten to... I didn't even download Isle of Bug Snacks yet. <laughs> that, well, what are you doing with your life, Dan? That, that was, uh, a fucking platinum to the first one. Can I got a Switch? Or it's on Switch. It's I on think. Switch, yeah. I might pick it up then, because you know I love to play in my bed. <laughs> it is one of the most surprisingly charming little experiences that you could have. Like, it is not... It does not take forever, but if you like solving puzzles and problems and shit like that, it's it's... It's kind of like, yeah, you're just playing as a Muppet, and you're walking around with other Muppets, and you're helping them sort through their life drama. Yeah. Uh, Would you say it's a snack? It is. It is. <gasps> a bug snack. It has Grape Skeeto, yeah. and uh, Bungler. Yeah, yeah, all of the classics <laughs> from that, when the PS5 launched with nothing. So. Well, you know, we still don't... I mean, we did we get Splatoon 3? No, that was last week. Uh, I have nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... Uh, I'm trying to think if there is any... I mean, I know there's been a handful of leaks about the the Mario movie, mm-hmm. uh, like having a cliffhanger with Dry Bowser or something. Uh, people are saying it's good. Dry Bowser. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I don't know what's on the immediate... What's on the immediate horizon for Nintendo? Is Xenoblade 3 next? Or? Yeah, well, because the Xenoblade fans get everything they want, but yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, we. I assume we'll have a direct around E3 time. That would be nice. I would hope, because yeah. it's been a while again. But, um, you know, maybe this is just the lull to complete the games that we've been given. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Did you see the Northmen yet? Any inkling to? I did not yet. All I right. will soon. Because yeah. I've been seeing some pushback against the Northmen, which I rolled my eyes over on a few of my podcasts. I thought it was fine. Is it the stuff about, like... No, it's, it, not, it's not that stuff, so I won't even get into that. It's not the stuff you're thinking about yeah. on Twitter, the yeah. Twitter drama. No, it's not that. It's just, people say, like, I can't root for, root for this Northman. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not... I said, that's <laughs> literally not the point of the film, no. but okay, sure, you can't... I can't see myself as this Viking character yeah, our, our who she- burns villages, kills people... And wants to defend mother and save father and, and kill Fjolnir, but I, yeah. it's, he's just not relatable. I, 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 yeah, like you need to see past that. But sure, yeah, yeah. But very soon we'll have I, a very similar film today. Yes, <laughs> that I'm sure we'll draw the lines in the sand. Um, that's all I have, Dan. So <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's all I have uh, in terms of our little side project, our tangent. Uh, uh, listen, I was emotionally at my wit's end this week. No, I got no. I no no requests. I'm just giving an update. Okay. Uh, we have we have more art coming. We got some right, gym yes. leaders yeah. in the holster as mm-hmm. well as his signature. Uh, we got one evil team member done, mm-hmm. which you know, thereby means that the logo is done, so I can design the grunts as well. Yes. Um. We got we got some fun stuff coming on that front. I'm just very very slow with. Uh, I'm always uncertain as to when to upload them because I'm not savvy yeah, with the metrics. To, we have to look up the metrics for that. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I mean, you're doing great. Like, I... Uh, you get more likes than I do, honey. You know, I just... I, I try to post them and then it's just like my mom. and, well, <laughs> and like Susan I, Ryan's a fan of the pod. She is. <laughs> but, say. you know, I want to try to try to get as many eyes on this and, by extension, the podcast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But we got a lot of that stuff coming. Uh, no pressure. If anything, we got a backlog I, of... Uh, I did think of the EVs. Okay. Slightly. Okay. Very minutely about the typing of the EVs, and I just wanted to soundboard them off of you. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking since we have a bug rival and flying have been at the forefront of our thoughts, especially with a new gym leader, what if it's a bug flying? Like, not both. Like, what if we had one bug, one flying EV? Um, aside yeah. from that... What if we have a rock in the mix? So, like, rock flying? I wanted to get your, like, know-how on what the type advantages situation would be, even though we had things like Leafeon and Glaceon at that point. And Umbreon and Espeon. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter, but I thought if you would prefer, like, a bug flying to a rock flying at this point. I am... I'm honestly good with bug flying, okay. if that if that works for you. Yeah, no, because um, I think the bug would be more interesting. I had a few more ideas on that, how it's, like, kind of... Um, I wanted to use, like, carapaces mm-hmm. of, like, different insects, so it's almost like armor. That's the first initial idea I had. And then I think the flying one could just be, like, wing-based. Yes. Just a lot of wings everywhere. I, I mean, honestly, I... I would definitely be good with with bug and flying because our your bug nerd rival. Yeah. I think something like a bug evolution would suit him as yeah. a signature much better than he's gonna have clown spider. He's yeah. gonna have of course yeah no I, I all love the, him already we had yeah. all the good bugs this gen again like Gen five reborn again yeah, and and many more to come because yes. the, the as we've uh, as I sent you some ideas mm-hmm. into how they can relate to our steel yes. bird. There's going to be a multitude of bugs for mm-hmm. bug fans, um, but his team will be mostly all of that. Um, but then, like, for his little, like, out-of-the-ball partner or something, I think a bug evolution would be ideal. Yeah. Because it suits, I think it would suit his design more than having, like, Clown Spider as his signature, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, uh, so, my brief thoughts, as I said, I wanted to use, like, kind of the general shapes of, like, carapaces, so maybe we get, mm-hmm. like, some Heracrosses in there, some insect wings. I was thinking, like... I don't know if you made it this far in Kirby, but there's a certain boss in Kirby at the very end of the game that uh, references bugs in a specific way. I don't know if that's too much of a spoiler for you, but um, that uses their shells almost like armor. Mm -hmm. Um, And then wing Eevee could be just different style wings, almost like biblical angel-esque. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. In my light thinking of this week, but... I, I think those two would fit. Um, those are two types that have been wanting for an evolution for a very long time. Um, and I want to see what your artistic mind can do with that idea. Perfect. Yeah. Because again, we got we got we got a shitload of of, uh, of ones that I haven't drawn yet. Yeah. Uh, plenty in the barrel. So I mean, that's uh, that is perfect. We got yeah, we got boron and bismuth cooking. We got. Plenty of stuff. Yes. Um, that being said, uh, I think at some point you have implied that you would like, if any gimmick is to be present, you would like Mega Evolution. Yes. Um, and I... Do I dare? Uh, we, well, I I figured that uh, the way that we have it worked out, because we just want to use as much of like the real estate of South America and uh, like the islands near it as mm-hmm. possible... Um, 
So, like, Cuba and Jamaica you can encounter during the story of the game, but uh, there's a lot of other islands down from, uh, you know, down from Cuba, like, like I think Puerto Rico and lots of other ones. Uh, I think the Dominican Republic, I think lots of other... Um, so... We're going to use those islands for something, and I figured that's where we'll put Mega Evolution. Okay. Um, and we'll like that seg- like section of the of the sea won't become open until you've beaten the game. All right. Uh, and this is purely for reference. When I draw the map, it's going to be like a we'll stick like a Mega Evolution thing yeah. over there. Well, you're giving me free reign with Mega Evolutions, I suppose. Yes. Uh, so well, your your prompt for next week is at this least will be a glorious prompt. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least one but oh, if you have I've multiple got one in my mind already yeah so, so we're good like I, I i would think that in terms of post game we have you know there's plenty of legendaries to catch we got las vegas yep. that is going to be a post game area we got area 51 as another post game you know for catching um but uh i think like a mega evolution island archipelago Makes in that sense. section yeah. um would work i think yeah so that that'll with you know in and of itself we can design like a separate set of characters for that like i figured i would design like a an old mega evolution master who resides there mm-hmm. like a sensei type yeah. um maybe we could think up a villain for that area or we give one of the teams another member who kind of sticks around yeah. after the story and has to, learned to that mm-hmm. yeah and it, it is is like uh you know kind of like try like is committed to villainy and then mm-hmm. you got to stop him well, with that maybe or, not committed to villainy maybe we can take a good old sage and mm-hmm. put him up there or something of course yeah yeah like maybe he's like well versed in like the mega evolution ways now yeah it's sort of to act as your as like a rival there yeah. or a helper there, because uh, mm-hmm. I did think of a, I got the the inner uh, I got the gears turning on like a, a villain for that island who's like a a dude who uses a mega tyranitar. Mm. I can make him like a warlord looking guy okay. who, who's down there. Well, I won't um, take that from you, Dan. But I figured you know well something like okay you got to master mega evolution go face these trainers scattered yeah. throughout the islands. I love that. That's fun. You know, fun post game that we haven't had in years. Yes. So, like, mm-hmm. that, I figured that would be, like, a good sage and others can all be down there with revamped teams that mm. suit that. Um, yeah, so I, I, that's where I'm leaning. Okay. Um, well on Mega Evolution. Yes. Is my prompt for next week. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'll be doing that. Of course. All right. Without further ado, shall we get into today's main course? Dan? I think we should. <laughs> all right. So just a reminder, The Sinister Six is where Dan and I present six movies ranging from so bad it's good to just plain awful and watch them with very minimal notes, commentary on the fly, uh, ranges vary on taste or lack thereof, choices pulled at random from the bad movie bag by the other, no revealing picks until all are chosen, so genuine reactions throughout choose and suffer. That is, until... Today, <laughs> today yes. something special is occurring yes. because usually my picks are trashy, cheesy, and classy. Mm-hmm. And Dan has managed to pick four trashy films in a row mm-hmm. through magic. <laughs> so what do I win? <laughs> well, I you honestly win a favorite of mine because you picked. Oh my gosh, um, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Mm-hmm. 
lady in a cage. Yes. And now we have the fourth in a perfect sequence of movie. Mm -hmm. So I will invoke the right of Sinister Selection today. Where there is only one movie in the bad movie bag that Dan can possibly choose. Mm Mm-hmm. The cards are stacked in my favor. Yes. And I feel like you, like, picked a mini movie marathon that fits perfectly together for this. Yeah. You've built up to this point, so... This is the Ragnarok yeah. of... <laughs> so, be it pain or pleasure, <laughs> you have deserved whatever's in the bad movie bag today. And I can tell you it's one of my favorites, but that's all I'm going to tell you at this point, Dan. Uh, so, shall I? Well, or? you enter at your own risk, Dan. Let's see. The movie title is not on there, but you did get a code phrase that maybe you can read. Codename, what... I Could Heal You. I could 19... heal you. 1964. Oh, you boy. tease something about the, the South, so what do we got? We're headed to the deep South today. <laughs> We've got the sequel to Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh. Hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Which... If you don't know, two things. One, it's the most Jonathan movie in existence. Mm -hmm. We thought we saw him before. He's coming back again with a vengeance. And it's the most expensive Blu-ray that I own. Why is that? (laughs) Listen, Dad, I don't know how to describe it to you. It's 90 plus dollars for this Blu-ray of Hush Rush Street, Sweet Charlotte. It hasn't been reprinted. The Blu-ray is not in there, but you can feel free to read the box. I found this. I have no idea why it hasn't been reprinted yet since um, um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane has been reprinted so many times. This one has just been on the cutting room floor for a while, even though I feel that this is the superior film. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you enjoyed Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, perhaps you'll love this one even more. Yeah, well, I did unironically enjoy that movie. Yes. So I... Yeah, I thought for a second with the white plastic, this was going to be a vinegar syndrome release. No, it does look like one, though. No, just way aged with time, Dan. Um, if you would permit me, I shall go into Cringe Corner for of what course. you could expect. Hush Hush, Sweet Charlotte is a 1964 psychological thriller uh, slash psycho bitty movie directed by the same director as Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, mm-hmm. Robert Aldrich. Aldrich wanted to recapture the success of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with an ensemble cast of Davis, Crawford, and Victor Buono again. Uh, Similar themes with Betty and Joan playing opposite characters from the first. Uh, However, tensions were still so high between Betty and Joan during their Hollywood career that Joan allegedly got sick during filming this and left midway through filming. Mm -hmm. So one of the starlets is out. They're at wit's end. They need another heroine to take over the role. Um, So they left him high and dry. Uh, Who was to call? We had Barbara Stanwyck, Vivian Leigh. But no. One star of, at that same year, I believe, of Lady in the Cage, Olivia de Havilland, stepped in and said, I'll take over for Joan's role, even though she really didn't want to at the time. So this is a culmination, then. This is, this is like literally the, has yeah. worked up to this moment, Dan. This is it's the another black and of, white film. Yeah. It, you've chosen too many perfect for me not to choose this film. <laughs> um, Olivia de Havilland didn't really want to film this because she didn't like the script, and... She just felt like it wouldn't gel with her at that time. But generously and graciously, she flew in from Switzerland as everyone really, really, really wanted to make this movie at this time. Um, This was fortunately another hit for Aldrich at the time. Um, One of my personal favorite actresses in this, she's giving a star turn, is Agnes Moorhead. 
Uh, she is just delivering her Jonathan best in this role. You'll mm-hmm. know her when you see her. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and she's the real star of the film, in my opinion. Uh, this had seven Oscar noms. Two okay. less than whatever happened to Baby Jane. Okay. But no wins. <laughs> so... So, do the general vibes of it call for it to be in Sinister Six? Is it sort oh, yes. of like... Okay, it's yeah. still a good, bad movie. Uh-huh. It's just so close to my heart. Like, if you... Legitimately, you surprised me by loving whatever happened to Baby Jane mm-hmm. so much. This is the one of that trilogy, quadrilogy <laughs> that I wanted to love so much. So, it's going to be interesting seeing how we match up with this. Mm-hmm. And if, this is going to be my step away from old Hollywood for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because you've ended this of course. for me. So, uh, but it, it truly is wonderful for me. Uh, cringe Corner, some things you may expect. We get Betty Davis playing her 16-year-old self and 56-year-old self at the same time <laughs> in this film. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I literally, this is all I could ask for. We get Agnes Moorhead as Velma Crothers, mm-hmm. who is that name sounds like it would be yeah <laughs> a star turn mm-hmm. for Agnes Moorhead. We get lots of scamming and you know some scary moments in this, some psychological thrills, and then we get southern accents that may be good, may be bad. And okay, yeah. That's all I could say about Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Do you know anything about this film going in? No, oh. other than loose references I've I've seen made about it in that it was an attempt at a sequel, but they couldn't get one of the two ladies back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know nothing else about it. Oh, right. I just only in passing. I think I think even then it's been you you've made very yes. vague. Well, jokes after this, that, we're yeah. demanded to watch the At Home with Amy Sedaris episode that references this yeah. film, just okay. so you get that reference in the long run of things. And of I really ingrained it in there. <laughs> But uh, that's me. So without further ado, Dan, you gotta get dressed. It's time for the cotillion. <laughs> Let's see the uh, the evil in this residence. We're back on Anime Was Not a Mistake. Dan, what did you think of Hush Hush, Sweet Charlotte? I, again, I unironically really enjoyed it. Uh, it was an okay uh, mystery mm. thriller, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm Southern Gothic. Saying, yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it was not it, terrible. No. I mean, I'm sure I maybe from like a production standpoint, there were issues. Yes. Um, which I guess we'll get into. Yeah, but yeah I have it, a few it, notes on it. It, it, it is. Uh, it's got some twists and turns. I was Would, pleasantly surprised. Asking you initially, I'm going to have a lot of questions to ask you throughout this. Um, do you think this is better than Baby Jane or worse? Um, I. I don't know, I have trouble even comparing the two of them, because it feels like they're both about two different kinds of manipulation, so Mm. I don't... I think this one was slightly more interesting. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Like, I I, I feel like this one was... You know, because whatever happened to Baby Jane also has, like, oh, that's what's going on here Mm -hmm. moment. 
this mo- like that moment in this movie is a little better than whatever happened to Baby Jane. Would think. you think that Joan Crawford playing um, Miriam instead of Olivia de Havilland would have affected the movie in any way? It would have been cool to see, but I I really liked Olivia. So okay, yeah, yeah, all right. I'm pleased. Interesting to know. I mean, I do prefer this over whatever happened to Baby Jane, mm-hmm. but that's just me and my Southern Gothic <laughs> sensibilities. Um, in that, so I'm glad you enjoyed. Why not get into the plot synopsis of, course. of this? And it is a very long one. So we begin in 1927, Ascension Parish, Louisiana. You can practically smell the honeysuckle racism here, Dan. You can, yeah. Yeah, and feel free to interrupt me at any point it's a ball, as I ramble. Yeah. Uh, Big Daddy Sam Hollis, a.k.a. Victor Buono, slash Edwin from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, chastises his daughter Charlotte's lover John Mayhew, played by a very young Bruce Dern, mm-hmm. in this initial scene. Over their plans to elope that very night. Yeah. Mm. So presumably John had come to Big Daddy to talk about, like, he was, they were going to elope, but he was like, you know, I'll get, I'm still going to try to get your blessing anyway. And uh, Big Daddy wasn't giving it. Yeah. So. Um, uh, Victor Bono states that I'd rather have one of my field boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a very topical time period Mm-mm. to... To age this movie in, marry you then, or marry Charlotte than you. Yes. Um, John Mayhew, as I said, a very young baby Bruce Dern, is already married to one Jewel Mayhew, who informs Sand, thus his unbridled rage at the fact. He's like, I married her, but I'm really in love with Charlotte at this yes. point. Yes, yeah. And can't really decide on a, a point to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, this house is a place for honor. Charlotte is one of my my one and only hair, and she isn't going to give it to you. Uh, she's not a little girl anymore. You can't keep her safe forever, but Big Daddy Sam Hollis says otherwise yeah because he knows about the whole affair he's gonna like you know instead here's how it's gonna go down you're going to confess everything to her tomorrow and there's gonna be this antebellum dance that night and you're gonna confess that you don't really love my daughter and walk out on her yes Uh, aka break her heart um, so they're planned to elope. It's very cancelable already. Already, uh, There's the night of the party, and Charlotte has no idea about any of this. Sam states John needs to break up with Charlotte that night. Um, that night, sh- he's looking for Charlotte. Everyone's looking for Charlotte. And at this point, you said, is young Miriam in the scene? Mm-hmm. Why, yes, she is, Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to know. Um, Charlotte is her 16-year-old self, play here by the spry... 56-year-old Betty Davis. Yes. Any comments on that opening <laughs> well, scene, Dan? it's how we would do it. Yep. Uh, she's it filmed, literally is. She's filmed in shadow and then with her hands covering her face mm-hmm. uh, from sorrow. With the same voice. Uh, with the same voice, 80-yard over uh, the acting. And then they do that again a few minutes later where it's like clearly old Betty Davis's lines coming out of whoever the... Body double is the young ingenue, uh, which is. is an odd choice. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's the party going on. Uh, we don't learn a lot about Miriam, but she's calling she's after there. Uh, you know she's like, where's Charlotte? Anyone mm-hmm. seen her? She is shown in one portrait with her and Daddy Hollis, looking sad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the unfavored, the shadow the twin family. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I just want you to notice that. So Charlotte, her 16 year old self, play here by the still spry 56 year old Betty Davis. It was not a great casting move, according to the director. Mm. He didn't really want to do it, but Betty insisted, only in some scenes, but Betty insisted her voice and likeness remain the same. Mm-hmm. 
Just an interesting take on where her mind was at. And it was another trouble that plagued the filming. There's very heavy shadows and makeup abound to make up for this age gap that's going on here. Uh, Charlotte is weeping over John's breakup. And we get the line, I could kill you. Yeah. Which is very Jonathan. Um, A butcher knife is left unattended and snatched by an unseen hand. Elsewhere in the home, John Mayhew was attacked and decapitated slash dehanded by an unseen assailant. Yes. Thus our main mystery of this film. Who killed John Mayhew? (laughs) Yes. Yep. Well, and then shortly thereafter, Charlotte walks into, Mm -hmm. in like the exorcist scene, she walks into the party. Yep. Uh, The guests are taken aback because her dress is covered in blood. Blood stained, dearie. Um, Which we don't, we can assume that she found the body or or like later on, do we? I mean, it's meant to, I I guess that's what's supposed to be insinuated. Yes, Mm -hmm. that she stumbled upon her dead lover Mm -hmm. whose blood was still gushing. Yes. At Uh, that point. But we, yeah. So, so the, she's, she's the blood all over her dress. The party guests are all there to see it. Her father is aghast, (laughs) uh, you know, so it's. Seems to be an open and shut situation, mm-hmm. but still no opening credits though. No, we got to we got to strap in. It's 1964, which is some forty odd years later. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Hollis is dead, and Charlotte lives in her southern manse as a recluse. Some schoolboys talk about the beheading of as a sort of local horror story, mm-hmm. and they say if you want to join the spiders, you got to go in and steal one of her tchotchkes in there. Yeah, the little bombers from uh, Majora's Mask yeah. that they're running around. Uh... And they even have like a little nursery rhyme that they keep oh, singing about the do. headless yeah. lover chopped in off the her hand, swamp. Chopped yeah. off his hand and chopped off his head. Yeah. Yeah, hush hush, sweet Charlotte. But initiation the, gr- initiation into the group is surmised by steal something from that old witch that she's touched. Watch out for her cleaver though, she'll get mm-hmm. you. So she's developed in some, to some sort of folk, to- folk tale going on there. Uh, Charlotte surprises the boy. She's sitting in, like, a regular armchair. Like, how could she be surprising to him, though, at this point? Yeah, she, like... She's, she's literally right there. Yeah, like, she's... Hard to miss Betty Davis in a chair. Asleep, she's got, you know, her eyes are fuzzy for a second. She doesn't catch the boy, yeah. but she does scare him. <laughs> uh, the boy does try to steal some music box, which has a really close connection to Charlotte, as we will come to know. Um, she is living in the past, calling still for John Mayhew, and then her theme is played, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, mm-hmm. which was another bop a la the lines of, Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Mm-hmm. These were two chart toppers, Dan. I'm, I, I'll take your word for it. Just so you know. Um, very relatable to me that I have two chart toppers based yes. on the movies that I starred in. <laughs> um, we flash forward yet again. The Louisiana Highway Commission intends to bulldoze the house and they're going to knock over a gazebo on the Charlotte estate. Yes. Mm. To put a pedaling bridge. A pedaling uh, bridge. Yeah, so a, walking over. Yeah, some kind of br- to connect the two roads on the two ends of the swamp or something. Yes. So. Uh, Charlotte is not to be kicked out, grabs her gun and fires some warning shots saying, This is my land! At a young George Kennedy. Yeah? Of, I'm uh, glad you picked up on of it. Of Police Squad and mm-hmm. many other 70s, 80s movies fame, so. Yep. She says, I could spin in your eye without half the trouble, and the southern colloquialisms are mm-hmm. rampant in this film. Uh, no one ever asked me, I'm not leaving. She is still being blamed for the murder of John, and Charlotte knocks over a large stone vase, uh, nearly smushing the foreman, mm-hmm. played by a young George... Kennedy, yeah. George Kennedy. And yes. he's he's like, that's it, I'm gonna go get the sheriff. 
like yeah. someone's gonna have to cart you out of here at some yeah. point we then get the crotchety cookie housemaid velma played by agnes moorhead who is the true star of this velma show. Crothers. <laughs> like dan what do you think of her character let's hear you speak on her before i do uh, for a brief stretch of the movie, I thought she was the culprit. Mm, because did. I'm like, Interesting. did we not see her in the opening? And I'm like, that's true. maybe intentionally we didn't notice her because she wasn't one of she the... She was the one committing the murder. Yeah. yeah. Or, or because, you know, because she was a, she was always like a maid or something and, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't notice that her because she was... That would have been a cool twist was... if we could have given Robert a call. Been like, put Agnes in the... Yeah. In the front of this movie. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been... You know, it would like that would have been an extra red herring, yeah. uh, but because she does act suspicious, she she does some sneaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, she's she's southern. I mean, we're pretty sure we can <laughs> cast this as me, Dan, and Grant. And yes, using six only different what, characters. Yeah, who we have on hand, we yeah. could do this. I'm pretty sure I could play three or four different characters yeah. in this film. Maybe Gabe if, if he's up for it. Maybe, but, yeah. maybe, but I I don't know if Axe Silver Axe has gotten to him yet. <laughs> Uh, but yes, Agnes Moorhead shuffles about as Charlotte's only true friend, and Charlotte wants to get the sheriff involved, and we get the, the tagline, Hush! You've done too much to now. Mm-hmm. Because she knocks over the vase, she causes a whole scene with the, the police of this jurisdiction. Yeah. And it's, like, and it's like, so you gotta make yourself presentable for when the sheriff comes yeah. by, because, again, you're in trouble, so. Next, we get the B-plot of this movie. The British Harry Willis arrives to settle an unclaimed insurance policy with one Jewel Mayhew, meaning with Jewel Mayhew herself. Yes. Like, he's questioning about that. He's British. Like, so yeah. well, <laughs> apparently he's led into everything because he is British. Well, because he does, he makes the step of talking to the sheriff first, so that, uh, as we learned from many movies set in the South, if you get... Cozy with the sheriff first, you mm. can you know, give him, for, but he's also like a, he speaks in a lot of like British vagaries. He's like, oh, well, I'm just here to settle. I'm fascinated by the tale. Yeah. I'm here to resolve it. Yeah. And he's got a free pass. Like he, and that's like his whole thing. He's like, oh, I'm an old fool. A real I... Hercule Perrault to this situation. Yeah, but he doesn't like play himself up. Like he, he's like... Oh, I, I'm fascinated by the story, but mm-hmm. if I happen to stumble across, who knows, <laughs> but uh, not me. But, yes. you know, and it's he keeps that up through the entire movie, pretty uh-huh. much. He suggests that um, uh, Charlotte isn't crazy, mm-hmm. and that he's been following her case for a while. Uh, Velma stops the Sheriff Luke, who is nice enough to be like, you know, you got ten days in here, you gotta put your shit together beforehand, mm-hmm. when the Sheriff eventually arrives at the Charlotte estate. Mm-hmm. Um, you were ordered to leave months ago, now it's out of his hands, so she only has ten days to comply. But Charlotte insists that one cousin Miriam is on her way, a poor relation that lived with Charlotte's family in the past. She will settle this all, and this is the Dan to my Jonathan. Yes, and also there's a thing where, uh... A big Daddy Sam is buried on the property, yes. and they're like, they did offer to move the the family plot but to somewhere you, safe. But wouldn't you wouldn't have yeah. that from them. So, you know, I, I'm interested to know, like, who did you think or what you think was going to happen during this point of the film? Like, I mean, just the initial... Go ahead. Did you think Charlotte was guilty? I... 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 It, it was... 
I was more curious if they were going to follow up how the crime was kind of covered up, okay. and if that was, like, the thread that British so dude was there to pull on. So very and roof scenario, then. Yeah, mm. like, if they were going to, like, oh, like, this, like, everyone knows about this, it's a tale within this town, but, like, she was never charged with anything, mm-hmm. can we get to the bottom of why that never happened? And I thought, like, it was gonna be a lot more people in the community would be implicated, which kind of happens, but mm. not to the extent that, like, would I would have thought. I would have thought that, like, all of the, you know, th- th- this town has a dark secret. Yes. That's what I was thinking. But So Miriam apparently never answered any of Charlotte's letters. Uh, Velma warns Charlotte about Miriam, and Charlotte's like, she's the only kin I got left, mm-hmm. so she's going to come nonetheless. Miriam Deerling, played by Olivia de Havilland, rolls up. Originally, this was intended to be some scene shot with Joan Crawford as the taxi pulls up. You could see Joan in the back seat for one frame. Mm-hmm. A couple of frames, just interesting to know. But Joan left due to, a, in quotes, upper respiratory ailment, leaving the production high and dry. Aldrich hired a private investigator to get the bottom of the matter, and Haviland was flown in from Switzerland last minute to film. Not because she wanted to, because everyone, including her, like, wanted to see the film done, and Betty was so desperate to have it done, too. Mm-hmm. So she was like, this is my start. Like, did you notice that Joan Crawford scene where she pulls up in one frame? I did not catch the frame, mm-hmm. but I, I can, I think I, you pointed out where it would be. It's yes. like right when she pulls up, yeah. but yeah. Uh, Miriam spent some time away, sophisticated and worldly now. Charlotte speaks with Dr. Drew, played by Joseph Cotton, who's been lots of other things. We'll catch him in Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. if that Christmas special ever comes to fruition. Uh, Miriam actually arrives, and uh, Velma Crother, or this big-ass house, hasn't changed a bit. So, like, they get to talking. Like, I've been here, I've been excluded from the group for a long time. This big house has yes. remained the same. Just that big. Um... And uh, Dr. Drew and Miriam. Miriam goes upstairs to speak with Charlotte, who is looking a fright. Charlotte is overwhelmed with happiness to see her cousin again. Uh, We smoked a lot of pot in this room, remember? Mm -hmm. A lot of age-old memories, Dan. Um, Don't be too overwhelmed and don't do the cleaning. That's Velma's job. Mm -hmm. So we get that Charlotte is still, like, in control of the scenario. Like, I'm a higher-class person. Velma's meant to do that. But Mm -hmm. we see that she subjected Miriam to that. Like, yes. maybe making the bed a little bit too often for her. Yeah. So, it, it, it it's like, uh, yeah, there's, like, some form of, like, the old, you know, hierarchy maintain. It reminded yeah. me a lot of uh, The Sound and the Fury with that. Mm. Like, they're, like, they, like, they're clearly all have gone to shit, but yeah. they're maintaining the pretense that, yeah. like, oh, yeah, no, I'm the social light, you're the maid. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. At dinner, Charlotte, Drew, and Miriam discuss the future. There's no parties, really. Remember, the last one ended in a murder. So, like, mm-hmm. Charlotte's like, if you clear up the scenario, we could have a party again. Oh, but that yeah. thing did happen, though. And yeah, and then Charlotte's like, well, you're in public relations. Like, mm-hmm. you you could go and go to Baton Rouge and, and talk yeah. him into it. Yeah. But she's like, no. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, nothing, no one can do about it, really. Jewel Mayhew might behind this all, question mark. So, like, there's that other point in the murder that's going on here that Jewel Mayhew has been left blameless in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Charlotte does suspect her. 
Miriam says that there really isn't anything to do to save the house, and Charlotte goes a bit cray. She goes, to be with me? I've been alone here forever! Yeah. Um, what do you think I wanted? Company? She's just breaking her back. Charlotte and Miriam fight over the pass. We didn't really get you enough, Miriam, or we didn't treat you well enough, Miriam. Miriam snuck off and told Jewel about Charlotte and John in the first place. That question is posed here Mm -hmm. at the first point. Uh, There's more intrigue. Miriam admits it and relishes it. And then we get the iconic line, you are a vow sign, little bitch! Yeah. Yeah. So... That does happen. It was a good scene. It's a whole it's a whole thing like, okay, you yeah, know, we we took you in when you're, you know, your de- I think it was like her father died and your mom was like a waitress or something mm-hmm. and then we took you in. You know, we took you shopping for clothes, but then Miriam's like, you took me shopping at like the store that you would never dare be seen in. Yeah. Uh and, you know, so you clearly like I was clearly the unfavorite here. Yeah. So At the mention of John's murder, Charlotte gets very depressed. We are all still alive. We have to do something. And she is still calling out to John crying. But at this point, we also learn that Miriam broke up with Dr. Drew. They had like a little fling in the past due to the family intrigue. Yes, like they had they had a fling. And according to Charlotte, Drew broke up with Miriam because as an up and coming doctor, he didn't want his name attached to Mm -hmm. the drama. Like there was apparently an entire saga where these murders happened and well no we'll get to that in a second if yeah, we yeah. get to the paper no i mean next, that's yeah. what, that's what happens in the next scene they yeah. lament their past relationship and mm-hmm. it's like oh this happened miriam laments how this house will have gone to waste if it's sold mm-hmm. like it's going to cost so much money and alone fancies become allusions to reclusive reclusive sorts she mm-hmm. says like oh charlotte spent so much time alone in this house she doesn't know what she's doing at this point yeah uh, Charlotte thinks John is alive or haunting the place, singing the song he wrote for her being Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, mm-hmm. which is her title song, Living in the Past. Drew heads home, leaving Miriam in the house with a gun for protection. Yeah. An old derringer, and she meanders in the dark house haunted, finding her dresses slashed to ribbons. Yes. Yeah. Dan, who could have slashed your beautiful dresses? I, I, I don't know. You would have assumed it was me. There's only so many people in the house, but... I don't know. I mean, I just loved how old-fashioned it is. It's like, I'm going to leave you a gun here. Yeah. Like, have fun with that. Yeah. And the house is filled with the big taxidermied vultures as per... Yeah, something that I noticed in this viewing. It's like very psycho... Norman Desmond. Uh, I would never. I would never yeah. even get catch me with those. Mm. Uh, Harry Willis is researching the Hollis family and the death of John. Sam sends Charlotte to London using his connections and lack of evidence to avoid incarceration. So that's how Harry Willis met her in the first place. Yeah, well, apparently both of the Hollis girls were there at some point. Like, Mm -hmm. Charlotte and Miriam, uh, Miriam, like, presumably were sent there right after the murder. But then Charlotte did go home, but Miriam was told to stay in London, you know to take the heat off of everything Mm -hmm. so uh more gossip bags including one led by mr marchant using the mayhew murder to sell scandalous stories so this is the what i imagine dan going down to the petty dreadful to buy (laughs) yes yeah it's like a weird new jersey it's like the there's like a headless armless uh man man haunting a swamp it's like you know it's like they write stories about crimes of passion it's a Mm-hmm. It's a tabloid, yeah. pretty much. So while this is going on, Miriam is also in town and pointed out to Harry Willis. And she's talking to one Jewel Mayhew on, like, the church steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, Miriam, I knew you. A scene that takes on very different meaning later on. Mm-hmm. And it le- it led me astray. Yeah. It, it deceived me. Even me. What I, did you I think, was, Tim? Uh, like, I was like, 
okay, did these two have some kind of thing after the murder happened? Like, what? what is this animosity specifically against? You know, is it, was mm-hmm. it like, did Miriam help cover up what Charlotte did? Did Charlotte not, or did Miriam not do enough to... Cover it up? Yeah, yeah. like, I, I thought it was something like that. Like, she just didn't want any reminders of the crime that had happened. Yeah. But in Jules' opinion, Miriam has ruined her life. Uh, murder starts with a heart, started with a vicious tongue, but Miriam doesn't seem that bad at all. She's still playing up the very Olivia de Havilland character that's like, mm-hmm. oh no, I would never do anything like that to you. Can't we be civil yeah. here in public? And this is part of why Olivia de Havilland didn't want the role, because she mm-hmm. didn't want to be a villain. Yes. In this, and that's like her normal thing, is she's always complete or played by like, the very nice person. Yes. That's her typecasting in this. So, I mean, a spoiler going out, but Charlotte is... Miriam doesn't seem all bad. Charlotte is fighting with Velma back at the house. Charlotte is enraged by the published horror story that she received that mm-hmm. day that um, Velma brought up to her. Yeah, it was left in the mailbox. Yeah. So someone's doing something. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte is acting like a child, con- uh, convinced Jewel Mayhew is after her, been receiving letters the whole time, admonishing charlotte so like she's like oh you want receipts i got them and she does have receipts she it's a very interesting little scene with what you know later on in the movie like she takes you know she's got the whole curio filled with all of this like hate mail pretty much that she got after the murder and she's like well uh, the only thing i know for certain is that the address of the first letter was from here in town yeah and the address of the last letter was from here in, in town. town so there's a connection to be made there but otherwise they've come from all over the world yeah and they're like calling me a murderess and everything and like then that. another interesting scene is that velma hands olivia de Hallen miriam yeah a murderous letter like this could be just picking it up mm-hmm. but does velma know i i would imagine that she or at least like she has some hints into it like maybe well at the very least velma suspects that miriam's there to do something so mm-hmm. that might be a little call out okay yeah or but i i don't know if Mir- if uh if velma knows the grand scheme of thing. I that think Miriam's she's just truly like getting involved here. Yeah, I, I think she's just like, oh, this rich lady's here to like murder or steal the Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Harry Willis takes talks with Jewel Mayhew. Uh, she's ready to spill the tea, but she does it in the most southern way. She's like, when I go, which will be soon, <laughs> I present you this letter to read only on my death. Yeah. So, like, something's gone there. Uh, Use this info that I give you with discretion. We get ruined finery as she's broke now. Like, she's without money. So, like, she has nothing left to live for in this Old South tradition. Yeah, and I was, was like... I mean, we're to assume that she's just, like, part of a rich Southern family. That that was, like, The Mayhews and the Charlotte estate. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Hollis. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte is singing the night away that night. More relatable content for me, mm-hmm. as this is what I would do if Dan was in the house. Uh, Miriam inspects. She insists things are only real when they are dark, like any fading southerner. Uh, Charlotte freaks out at seeing a mangled hand and a corsage in the ballroom. Yeah. And initially we're, like, thinking, like, oh, she's a little bit crazy, because it's portrayed in a way that Miriam or Olivia de Havilland doesn't really see this. Like, she has a look of disgust on her face. Mm-hmm. But is she really seeing what's going on? It's the cleaver, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But Miriam 
snakes back downstairs later that night finding no hand or mangled cleaver in mm-hmm. that so it's like what's going on here uh, maybe this place is really haunted charlotte brings flowers to more john as some of the ladies that miriam helped hired help pack the next day mm-hmm. interesting to note uh no hand is charlotte crazy then harry shows up at the house as charlotte replaces flowers on her father's grave well- Charlotte also notices there's a cut in the, in the floor. floor. So yeah, something the... has really happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Velma snoops as this conversation is going on. Snooping as usual, I Snooping see. as usual, yeah. Yeah, a very topical movie for our, our main mantra on this podcast. Uh, they have met before in London. So apparently when Charlotte was sent over to London, Harry noticed her and said like how reticent she was mm-hmm. and how she probably wasn't involved with this, how she was wearing this specific thing. And there's this connection between the two. Yeah, he's like, you're a mystery that I've been trying to solve my entire life since then. Uh, and she's like, have you concluded anything? He's like, no, you wouldn't be a mystery anymore. And mm-hmm. But there's a real it, human yeah. connection here it is. that they, these two seem to share. So Charlotte wonders if that's like an actual kind person she's been exposed to. Uh, Harry's been obsessed with this mystery forever. And she asks, like, have you ever solved me? Which is a very mead yes. <laughs> conversation. <laughs> it's like, no, not yet. And, and then Velma is Yeah, snooping. in the corner, just crouching. Seemingly happy that, like, uh, Charlotte is forming, like, a connection with an outsider. Yeah, Yeah, well, Charlotte isn't offended by this. It's kind of a cute little pair. Mm -hmm. I put in my notes that these two could wind up together. He treats her like an actual human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you think I'm a murderess. Charlotte isn't too sure herself. She then offers to give him a tour of the house. Miriam meets Harry. And Charlotte freaks out at the ladies packing up the music box in the next adjacent room, mm-hmm. which was the last gift that John gave to her. Yes. But we can assume that Miriam said, like, oh, pack that up. Oh, definitely. When, when yeah. she's right there next to her. So a little bit more intrigue to watch on the second viewing here. Yeah. Um, it changes her character completely. And then she cries over John's parting gift, the music box, while it, Velma is acting very odd. And it's a very well done little scene because she's like very put together and then she panics when she sees the box. And then she's like, oh, let me guess. You want you, yeah. you want an answer to your pulp mystery? Here? The hand's like, in here! I kept this hand in the book, yeah. but it's just like a music box that plays the tune that he wrote. So yeah. it's, it's a good scene. Good, yeah. good part. Good acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, a storm rages that night. Charlotte gleefully runs through the house and see Miriam's gun just posed. Mm-hmm. Like, on her nightstand table. Because, you know, what's better than a good southern storm, Dan? Mm -hmm. (sighs) But strange calling, sounds, and shadows. Charlotte hears John playing the harpsichord downstairs. Miriam hears the kerfuffle downstairs and shattering glass. And she, like, goes down in her big acting number, where she's, like, bracing against the winds, closing doors, Mm -hmm. shutting them. Because everything was open, because it's the South, so... Nothing's locked. (laughs) Uh, But Charlotte has locked herself in the ballroom nonetheless. Like, Mm -hmm. let me in, Charlotte, let me in! Um, She goes in to reveal that Charlotte has smashed all the glass and in an attempted suicide... Maybe, perhaps, because her wrists are slashed at that, Mm because she's broken all the glass in her distress. Yes. So, like, it's still love guessing. Dan, I want to know, like, did you know something was going on at this point? What did you expect? For that scene in particular, I was starting to speculate that other people were messing with, like, that, that, like, Charlotte, and the reason that we didn't see it was because Charlotte was in there, and then, you know, a group of outside folks, maybe from the town, had, like, 
started smashing the stuff from... Mm-hmm. Like, I thought there was going to be, like, a little Hercule Poirot moment where, like, oh, the glass is... If the glass fell, like, this way or something. So mm-hmm. it was like, maybe it was hit by something. Maybe yeah. someone smashed them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, something like that. But yes. I, I had no idea where it was going yeah. quite yet. So Charlotte says that it was her daddy come back because he was angry. Charlotte is taken by Miriam and Drew to a mental facility, or at least going to be taken there. Yeah, they've made, they've put the, the gears in motion to... Uh, put, like, to have her committed. Yeah, and they say, go quietly, don't make a scene about it. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll do it on the up and up for that. Well, and Charlotte wants it to be at night, because yeah. it's like the the paparazzi will yes. <laughs> will show up, and I the can't. The cameras, Dan. I can't be seen. And after her experience with John's murder, she doesn't want, like, oh, they look at you with hatred, the camera's flashing, this, that, like, I don't want that again, yeah. so. So, Dr. Drew is revealed to be then drugging Charlotte. Mm-hmm. With some ample morphine. I don't know what's going on here, but something. Mm-hmm. They're they're injecting something into him. Or her. Uh, Velma is acting weird, and Charlotte insists that she didn't break anything. Then Velma tries to call Harry, like, you're the only one that can help. Mm-hmm. On, like, their one landline at the basement. Yeah. And then who should come in? But, but Miriam. Than, yeah, Miriam and Dan Ryan going, what are you doing in here? It's like, I, you've you've had it out for me since I, I set foot here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe your services are no, no longer required. Yes, so she fires Velma on the mm-hmm. spot. And Velma doesn't get a, a reason to, like, you know, expunge herself from that. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's just like, I, I have a feeling that if you cart Charlotte off, I'll never see her again. Yeah. And I'm loyal to her, not to you, so. But also Velma thinks if Charlotte leaves, like, she'll never have a job again, so she goes down to talk to Harry. Like, yeah. you're the only one that I've seen in a, a short amount of time that was able to speak to her. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should go and talk to her and talk some sense and say, get these two out of the house. Yeah. So, like, still interesting. Like, it, it's such an old movie, but it keeps us guessing yeah yeah who's guilty at this point in this whole thing um but then at this point uh velma thinks if charlotte should leave Uh, miriam thinks velma is playing tricks and she knows that her dress is ripped but then at the same point like miriam offers back like you knew my dress was ripped yeah so i didn't tell anyone that so that had to have been you then yeah But then we get the line, you are just jealous because everybody loves Velma and hates you. (laughs) Right? And already dividing the spoils, that's why you've came in here to divide up this whole estate. Mm -hmm. And Miriam laughs it off like, ha ha ha. Crazy poor person. Yeah, because Velma points out that some of of Miriam's mail has been like past due notices. Mm -hmm. So Miriam might be running out of money. Yeah. Whatever she had been doing in London, so. Mm-hmm. Charlotte discusses things with the portrait of her papa, uh, knocking at the door. A random reporter stuns her that night. With a camera flash, Like, yeah. why are you there at night? Well, the sleazy reporter from earlier. Yeah. The, the, the one who walks in with his little, like, paper slip hat. And yeah. he's like, what's the scoop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah. But then, like, at the top of the staircase... Miriam's like, Charlotte, what's wrong? And then a head topples out of a box that she's carrying. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, what's going on here, right? It's John Mayhew's head. Yes. What's he doing there? But I said a fake head. These two are the villains. Big reveal. Olivia de Havilland, the villain. Okay, yeah. Okay, so for context, uh, we see 
Olivia packing. She starts coming down the stairs when Charlotte is in shock from the flashbulb. Yeah. Uh, Olivia stumbles, oops, and then drops <laughs> oops. Uh, something out of the, 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 the package, but then we, the audience, are kind of... We assume for a second, oh, it's like... It was like a tchotchke or something, and mm-hmm. Charlotte is hallucinating that it's John's head. Yes. Uh, but then, the next scene, Charlotte has taken to bed because yeah. she's overwhelmed. She's drugged up! Um, and Dr. Drew and, uh... <laughs> not that Dr. Drew. Not that Dr. Drew. And Olivia are like, oh, this this fake head, your yeah, artist that friend. that you made. <laughs> it's I very was like, convincing. this is you and Grant on it my is. deathbed <laughs> trying to fake me out of my money. I know it for a fact. It is, yeah. yeah. That 3D printer you have yeah. uh, does yeah. wonders. Yeah, so. NASA, right? <laughs> <laughs> they really do print them out quick there, huh? But Velma is sneaking around trying to help Charlotte. Also, just clobber Miriam. What is she, two foot nothing? Like, mm-hmm. What's the threat here? Yeah. I, I understand you're ladylike, but you could take her. Mm-hmm. She's not a threat. Uh, Velma sneaks upstairs to see Charlotte drugged, and we get some whatever happened to Baby Jane perils yeah. happening here. Um, some kind of drug. That's some kind of drug they got you on here. Yeah. Um, but maybe call the cops. Uh, but instead, she decides to hide in a well-lit closet. Yeah, because she's gonna she's gonna get a coat onto uh, Charlotte and then escape yeah. somehow yeah. through the house. But Miriam comes up to deliver the meal and is like, "Oh, you'll be better." But then she notices in a scene that the drugs have been misplaced. Yeah. So what's going on here? We get that iconic old Hollywood close-up fade away. Yeah, like the drugs were here on this table before, and. Velma falls for it. Olivia just goes outside the yeah. bedroom door and closes it yeah, and, then and then waits. Yeah, and then comes back in like, oh, I knew you were here. Yeah. Damn, caught again. But Velma's caught in the act and we get the line, you can't keep hogs away from the trough, huh, Dan? Nope. Uh, but Miriam shoves Velma around and we get this iconic confrontation between the two where it's like, I know exactly what you've been up to. I'm gonna go down to the cops and tell them exactly what you've been said. But Miriam... Picks up a chair and smacks it over Velma's head. And it should be noted, at this point in the movie, technically, no one had any reason to believe Velma. Like, yeah. Like, Vel- like, the drug had been administered by a trained doctor, mm-hmm. so Velma just would have been going into town saying, the doctor gave Charlotte this medication. But it was a different time, Dan. So it was, <laughs> it was like, this really was just like a panic moment on Olivia's part, yeah. and she probably could have talked her way out of it. <laughs> Yeah, but Olivia de Havilland picks up that chair and smacks Velma over the head, and she cascades down Down the the stairs. stairs, She falls about 40 stairs and then dies. Uh, So, like, Olivia is, is, uh, not Olivia, uh, Miriam is panicking. Yes. And uh, she thinks, like, should I take the drug out of, you know, her her hand? Mm -hmm. What should I do? Uh, But some time passes, and uh, we see that the Dr. Drew. She called Dr. Drew. Uh, Dr. Drew is, is having a nightcap with her. He's like, <laughs> don't you worry about nothing, hun. Yeah, like, although, although this little uh, side detour here, uh, can, all things considered, I, I'm now a senior partner in our little arrangement uh, because I helped you cover up this. Like, no one's going to suspect anything. Mm-hmm. It's an accident. So, but like, you are going to have to increase my percentage of, yes. of what we're getting. Mm-hmm. So Joseph Cotton wants all that money, honey. Mm-hmm. But uh, back at the Hollis house, Drew is shown to be the one that has been calling Charlotte with Miriam the whole night. Mm -hmm. We get like, Charlotte! Yeah. Well, and the way that they phrase this in a villainous way is like, 
Charlotte's still kind of there, but after our final treatment plan, she'll be gone. Yeah, so this will like, be the last the, peg in the coffin. Yeah, or our last performance. Yeah, uh, but they do like usher out this old banger of "Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte," which is the song that John wrote for Charlotte in the mm-hmm. first place. Uh, Charlotte thinks she sees John, and Charlotte finds the gun just sitting there on the piano bench. Mm. Like, if you were going to willingly go through this plan, I don't think I would leave the gun there. Yeah. Even though that's part of what they want to do in the end of things. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it... We learned that there's, like, blanks in there. Yeah. But, but it's still a little bit too much for me. Charlotte thinks she sees John. Charlotte finds the gun. And she envisions this as, like, a corsage at her coming out party or whatever. Yes. Um, and she's being transported back to the night of the party. We get ghostly faces of onlookers dancing with John once more. We see Daddy Sam Hollis, no head John. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, after being overwhelmed, Charlotte shoots and kills Drew. Back to reality, she's killed Dr. Drew. Because in her hallucination, uh, Dr. Drew is approaching John. her as yeah. a headless, handless yeah. John. Yeah. yeah. So those are some good drugs that she must be yeah. on. But then we get the next twist... Where Olivia de Havilland slash Miriam is like, what have you done? Yeah. What did you think here, Dan? I thought that this was not, I thought that this was not planned. Yeah. I thought, I thought that like. See, like, that's the extra fact of the movie. Like, uh, because the way Miriam plays it, it's like, we had it all planned out and you had to go and shoot you him. ruined it, yeah. You were supposed to shoot yourself. And Miriam yourself gets for... real bitchy for like uh, yeah. a yeah. good 30 minutes of this film. Yeah, like, no, she plays into it. What are you into doing? It. Because, like, there's multiple lines where she's like, I'm not going to suffer for you anymore. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to, you know, you're crazy. I could just as easily turn you in. So, uh, no more. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you think it was going to be, like, them two on the run? I did. For a second, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, Miriam's true colors come out. Uh, She is off to call the cops. But Charlotte suggests, no, I can't go into the police. We'll get rid of the body together. This is very me coming to Dan after murdering Grant. And again, to avoid like the perp walk, she does not want like if you if they if they find out they'll they'll come with their cameras and everyone will judge me and Mm -hmm. and whisper insults and everything. So it's like avoiding that. So Miriam is ready to do what she must do for the money. Uh, They roll him up in a carpet, but suddenly there's a knock at the door, being Harry going like, "Oh, I was just traversing the neighborhood." Yes. I saw Can the I lights come in and on. talk? Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk to Charlotte. Uh, but he's like, or Miriam's like, no, no, she's asleep. Yeah. And yeah. as the body is like slowly falling in the background. The health inspector and from Jonathan's SpongeBob. And Jonathan's going, <gasps> gasp, what do I do here? But Harry leaves right on time. Charlotte mm. gets cold feet in the car and Miriam comes out to play. She's like, get your shit together. I'm tired of dealing with you. Mm-hmm. Real good acting from Olivia de Havilland, who yeah. didn't want to be in this film. Like, I'm not going to know where the audiences are going to take me. Yeah. Like, she's she's a different character here. Of course. Which is very interesting for her. But she asks, like, will you please shut up, you bitch? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do what You're I'm weeping do. in the passenger seat. Yeah. And, yeah. She drags Charlotte out to help and says, get dumping, bitch. We're going to dump him into the swamp. Mm-hmm. Where he rolls out real neatly. He does. In this, in this carpet, just sitting there. But Charlotte is clearly affected. Like, and I still I'm, hadn't pieced it together. I'm like, okay, they're just, you know, they're panicking. It's a sloppy mm-hmm. thing, eh, whatever. And the camera keeps cutting back to, to John in the back seat. Yeah. Like, Charlotte's, like, like yeah. doing double takes. Mm-hmm. To, and I'm like... Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it becomes clear. Yeah, but you had it coming, Charlotte. Back home, Charlotte goes into the house and sees Drew walking around as normal. She, like, crawls up the stairs, sees his 
feet covered in swamp yeah so it's like more is like is she crazy Mm -hmm. what is going on but no it turns out to be a well executed plan it was a triple a cruise you know you put grant (laughs) in the swamp for 30 minutes yes and then he came up and that was fine that was the final like gaslighting stage they they you know and seemingly for a second it works yeah it sends charlotte up at the deep end i said this is all part of the con what is up with these two another betrayal all in caps Miriam had loaded the gun with blanks as she and Drew descend the stairs to send Charlotte to a psych ward and claim the bloodstained fortune for themselves. Yes. Um, John, the acting, it was all acting, you see. Yeah. Who would have known? And, and, and like, Drew, like, out, like they, they go to have another drink in celebration, mm-hmm. and, and Drew was like, well, I, I don't know if I care if, you know, if we go to Venice. I mean, if anything, as the senior partner, I should be in charge. And then, like, uh, Miriam's like, are you the senior partner? Or do you have the, the brains to pull this off? Yeah. And she's like, you know, honey, uh, this is this long con has been going on yeah. longer than you and think. part <laughs> that I love from Olivia de Havilland is the real southern accent comes out at this moment. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, it came back to that thing. Like, she's talking, like, as if she's yeah. been growing up in the Old South the yeah. entire time. Putting on a face the entire time. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte overhears this conversation from above, and coming to her senses, she sends another stone vase. Well, okay, yep. uh, uh, compl- like there's oh, okay. uh, Miriam basically reveals that uh, the night you know she hated living with the Hollises, yeah. but the one good thing that happened yes. was that she witnessed Jewel de Mayu uh, <laughs> uh, murdering John. Yeah. Um, and she's been able to blackmail her for years. Yeah, she she milked the old lady dry. She was like sending like Jewel was sending Miriam money overseas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just to keep quiet. Yeah. Um, and that refer that brings us back to all the guilt that Jewel had felt mm-hmm. and like their interaction on the church steps, like oh murder is like a it happens in the moment but mm-hmm. other people do shit in other ways and it, it reframes the entire thing yeah so charlotte overhears the conversation and coming to her senses sends another stone vase crashing into miriam and drew yes killing them both yes good bookend from the opening of the film where mm-hmm. she did the same thing for one of the foremen mm-hmm. yeah so i mean that just happens and uh she's like mess with me will you and then she gives a like a slight nod like mm. The trash has been taken out. Yeah. I'm good to go. Uh, the next morning, the cops show up and rumors spread. Charlotte is ready to move on. Harry rolls up. Only He's the only one with the truth since Jew Mayhew gave her that letter. Yes. Gave him that letter to open up at her death. And, like, he seemingly hasn't opened it yet because he knows the truth. Mm-hmm. Or he's, like, at least aware of what's going on. Um, we learn from, like, the old biddies next door that Jew Mayhew died that day after hearing what happened here. Yeah. From shock. Presumably. Yeah, or guilt or whatever, and it's all one big irony. Then Charlotte is leaving the house with John's music box, but she decides to leave it behind and start life anew. Mm -hmm. Once more, uh, she gets one final kind look to Harry, who gives Charlotte Jewel's letter, revealing that she was innocent the entire time. Yes. And she had nothing to worry about. And it was and it was multiple layers of this, because when you start the movie, you think, okay, Charlotte did kill him. And it was like, it was like a, like she blacked out from rage and then mm-hmm. killed him. Yeah. And then it goes into Charlotte might have, like, was somehow convinced that uh, Daddy Sam had mm-hmm. 
done the murder, and then in order to protect his honor, she had stayed behind at the house to, like, take the heat for the crime so that he wouldn't lose his prestige. Yeah. Which ended up not mattering because he died the year after that anyway. Yeah. Um, but then it goes into, like, no, she was, they were, the Hollises were innocent of this the entire time. So, mm-hmm. so few questions for you. Since mm-hmm. it's the tail end of the film. One, do you think this would have been better with Joan Crawford in the role? I really like Olivia. I mean, we've seen Olivia before, yeah. thanks to my exposure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do like her in this role, too. She's never really the villain mm-hmm. in any of her films. This is the first time that she's a major villain. Very interesting. And do you prefer this to whatever happened to Babel Jean? I'm going to ask again. I'd say yes. All I'd right. say I'd say reflecting on it, I think this one has a lot more like a, of an intricate plot. Mm-hmm. That makes you jump to conclusions. Yeah. And do you understand the use of my sinister selection here? I do. I All do. Right. I certainly Since we've do. we've had four films working up to this point. It, it brings everything full circle. So. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Well, with that, Dan, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is my favorite sinister selection as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, excluding Supergirl. Of course. Which is the pinnacle of what we can achieve uh-huh. on this podcast. <laughs> but um, with that, I, I guess we can end unless you have any final thoughts on this. No, very good movie. Very quality film. If you can find it, watch it. Yeah. it, it, it if is, you have it, $90 to spend on a Blu-ray, then... Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe maybe more now that if you got the one copy. But yeah, it, I mean, I'm it, sure I did. But it... it uh, no. Excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, pulpy, we'll, I guess, but yeah, well, an no, excellent movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, with that, do you have any tidbits and? Uh, well, before we get to that, anywhere mm-hmm. that our audience can find you on social media, uh, you can <laughs> follow me on Instagram at King underscore Danis, uh, or on our Anime Was Not a Mistake Facebook page. Mm, and yeah. you can find me, Jonathan Wykowski. Hush, hush, Jonathan Wykowski, mm-hmm. on Losing My Mind JK on Instagram and the TikTok, and you can follow my other podcasts, including Nightcaps at the Theater and Drink and Read. On most podcasting platforms. Mm -hmm. Yes, but uh, Dan, I mean, you're not obligated to use the Sinister Selection, Mm -hmm. as we've discussed off-air, so... But I will. Oh, you um, will? I, You've I, decided? I have, I'm making a commitment between oh my. Uh, God and our audience. We'll hear next week if he's changed his mind. Uh, m- unlike with what you brought to the table today, my Sinister Selection uh, invocation mm. uh, only applies uh to a previous pick in that it uh is a dc movie well we could do it after every 12 too since yeah. this is the 13th that's so, true I mean, that ma- does make sense that like is, every yeah. double sister selection pot or yeah whatever. the quarter quell yeah that, that's when <laughs> literally it'll yeah um, rupaul's drag race all-star season seven yes uh, but uh i will be invoking that next week as well all right um for a much more recent uh, movie okay. that that also has ladies fighting in it all right. um probably one of the worst things i have seen in recent memory uh, i all i can say is uh what do you wish for jonathan oh no i know exactly what we're watching next week <laughs> <sighs> but uh yeah i just uh, just do think on it think about what you would do with one wish <laughs> maybe two <laughs> maybe multiple ones it's not you know quite i'd clear. wish to be a better actress that would be my first wish oh that's fine but someone close to you might get absorbed you know what it doesn't <laughs> even make any sense no jokes can do it justice they're gonna be fucking watching wonder woman 84 uh... Uh, god help us all <laughs> We'll see you then.
What? You survived? Anime was not a mistake spin-off series? The Sinister Six? Well, there's always next time. <laughs> As you wait with bated breath, remember to rate, review, subscribe, where most podcasts are easily found, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and more. Remember boils and ghouls if you enjoyed the hosting by me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, stand-in cryptkeeper, and the Igor of my eye, Daniel Ryan. Support us on social media. And last, but certainly not least, remember to reach out to us on Anime Was Not A Mistake Pod on Instagram, or follow Anime Was Not A Mistake Podcast on Facebook. This way, we can continue to make our anime-based dreams come true, and your nightmares a reality. Until we meet again, remember to constantly ask yourself, is anime a mistake? We know for certain that any film with the Sinister Six misnomer is destined for depravity.